Welcome to AFSPA Talks, a production of the American Foreign Service Protective Association with Chief Operating Officer Kyle Longton. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast channel. Enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of AFSPA Talks. I'm your host, Kyle Longton, and today we continue our month-long focus on overseas care. Now, often on this podcast, we take an approach to offer you information about broad topics that could be of interest regardless of where you are in the world, where you are in life, and more pertinent to our discussions here, um, even regardless of what insurance you have. This is not one of those episodes. Today, we are absolutely focused on what AFSPA offers to its members, specifically how the Foreign Service Benefit Plan works for members overseas. Um, you know, we've gotten to a place now where when we talk to new hire classes, we can let them know that Foreign Service and um, one of our competitors are the two most popular plans for members overseas. Um, we try to provide balanced information. Today, I'm going to give you the, the, the facts about Foreign Service and how we work overseas um, and, and the ways that benefits our members. So to lead us through those discussions, um, we have two guests. First up, returning for another episode is AFSPA CEO and Executive Vice President Paula Jacob. And joining us later in the episode is our Senior Director of Compliance, Stefan Nicely. Paula is going to talk to us about the general benefits, programs, and service for our overseas members in the Foreign Service Benefit Plan. And Stefan will highlight our provider partnerships around the world, how they work, and how they benefit our members. So without any further ado, let's get started. Paula, welcome back to AFSPA Talks. Thank you. Good to be here. I think this puts you, you, you were tied with Nina Matias for most appearances on the podcast, and this puts you ahead. Um, so we'll, we'll keep that in mind. But um, Well, that's this, a good thing. I like to be ahead, as you know. <laughs> well, and you're just the person we want to talk to today, um, as, as always is the case. Because um, this month, uh, as you know from listening to our last episode, we're working to educate our members about the experience of receiving care overseas. And today we're focused on how the Foreign Service Benefit Plan, FSBP, works overseas. So I wonder um, if we could start off with you telling our listeners a little bit about the plan and then just also some statistics. How many members do we have outside the U.S.? Sure, sure. First, I'd like to get um, started with a little bit of history. So in AFSPA was actually formed in 1929 for the sole purpose of providing support to our members of the Foreign Service who went overseas. Overseas was very exciting at the time, but also very scary and sometimes a very dangerous place to be posted. Um, Some things haven't changed on that front. In 1942, we had the birth, as you will, of the Foreign Service Benefit Plan, which actually predates the FEHB program by almost two decades. In 1996, we welcomed Department of Defense civilians, first the Dodds teachers, then closely thereafter, all of DOD civilians overseas, and then domestic. Our 50 years plus of experience with overseas medical care really gave us a unique and up close and personal understanding of their needs. So the numbers can vary depending on PCS seasons and summer breaks for some of our teachers, But generally speaking, we have around between anywhere between 35 and 40 percent of our members are outside of the United States at any given time, and they are anywhere in the world. 
And I really think that they greatly appreciate our benefits and how we approach service. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll come back. I mean, you mentioned you like to be, be ahead. Um, our, our plan was ahead of the FEHB, the rest of the federal government, um, by two decades. And, and you know, we'll come back to some of the, the pieces that you touched on just now. Um, but I want to go back to something that Dr. Padgett discussed a little bit last week. Um, you know, he recommended that sort of folks going overseas try to schedule major medical needs, surgeries, things like that, even some, some major preventive exams before they go overseas. Um, and that's not always possible. So our folks who are at a embassy, consulate, other mission overseas have uh, the health unit for as sort of their primary care medical home, but um, those are limited services and not everybody, not all of our members, the Dodds teachers that you mentioned and many others don't have access to that. So in general terms, because I know it can get very complicated perhaps um, and, and maybe very, but in general terms, can you tell us how services received overseas by our members are covered under the Foreign Service Benefit Plan? Sure. So let me caveat a, a bit. My underwriting background leads me to really stress that we cannot decide on coverage of specific services until we actually receive a claim and we must buy our contract with OPM established medical necessity for many of the services. So getting that out of the way. You have that I on needlepoint in your office, right? I'm sorry? You have that on needlepoint in your office? That, Almost. That... <laughs> <laughs> so with that out of the way, though, I can tell you that we consider all overseas providers. I don't care whether they're on the local economy or whether they're at a, a military treatment facility on base, wherever they are. They are considered to be an in-network provider, and we are paid at the in-network rate. That means that their services are considered at the in-network rate. For this plan, it's 100% for preventive services, for your physical exams, 100% for maternity, 100% for inpatient services with no deductible. Now, physician services and outpatient services, lab imaging, things like that, they are also considered at the network rate of 90%, meaning that the plan pays 90% and the member is left with only the 10%. An important distinct, the distinction with this plan is the plan allowance. Now, the way the plan allowance works usually is a, any plan has what they call plan allowance, which is really what they consider for any charge to be their allowance, and then their determination, their benefits are based on that allowance. Many of them, as do we, have a certain limit that has already been negotiated through Aetna, our administrator, and the vast, the vast network of providers here in the States. But there's no network overseas. So what is our plan allowance overseas? For this plan, Generally speaking, our plan allowance is exactly what that provider oversees bills. Remember, we're in their country. We don't work off a fee schedule. We don't work off of what our, our providers back here in the States have agreed to pay. We respect the country's providers. So medical care costs different in, um, costs are different in many of parts of the world, some less expensive but not always the case. And in a lot of areas, we call them high cost areas. And there's no negotiation on what we call preferred pricing. Remember, we are in their country. 
We don't want the member to face an extraordinary out-of-pocket cost because they receive care where they're posted. And so we we use the, our plan allowance to be what that provider in that country char- charges. Now, there are certain ex- exceptions. I mean, you know, we're going to really raise our eyebrows if there's a huge amount of money charged for a minor procedure. But I, but in the 30-some years that I've been working with this health plan, that is really few and far between. Absolutely. And, and Paul, some of our, our services have certain limitations, things like physical or occupational speech therapy, and even our alternative services. Um, so I guess sort of a two-part question, do, do members have access to those services outside the United States and do those same annual limits in terms of the number of, of visits apply? Yes, the, the, um, for all of the physical, occupational, speech therapy, and our alternative services, it's the same, whether you're stateside or overseas, the same generous allowances apply no matter where you are. Um, for the PT, OT, and ST, there are 125 combined, and that's a lot of visits per year. And then for those alternative services like massage therapy, acupuncture, um, chiropractic, they are still um, 50 visits limited to up to $60 per visit. So we treat all of our members just the, the same. Absolutely. And you can have some stateside, some overseas too, um, depending on where you are. But I, I, I introduced the alternative services. You mentioned specifically massage and acupuncture, and, and that gives us a good place, uh, a, at least a good starting place for my next question. Um, can you share some of the ways in which the experience of our members overseas has influenced overall coverage and benefits in the, the Foreign Service Benefit Plan? Sure. I can give you a couple of examples. One of the, the major ones is, of course, the massage therapy and acupuncture benefit. Um, it's a great example. As you know, I travel all over the, the world. And in my travels, I realized that these modes of treatment are really standard outside of the United States. So looking at what our members' needs were, we now offer and have for many years offered the, the access to the massages and the acupuncture visits and the, the chiropractor. We, like I said before, we reimburse at up to $60 per visit for each of them. So I really think that not only are these specific benefits, some of our most popular benefits, go figure, I think offering them demonstrates our understanding of how our members all over the world use healthcare and our response to that. Another example, so a story, a number of years ago, I was in Korea and I was talking to a member and he was posted at a location outside of Seoul in a very remote lo- location. And he had a medical emergency in the middle of the night and had to be taken to a Korean hospital there. He didn't speak Korean. Nobody in the emergency room spoke English. So he couldn't communicate what the doctor or the, the medical team was saying to him. And as important, they couldn't understand what he was trying to say to them, where it hurt, how bad the pain was, all of, of that stuff. That's kind of a scary thing. Now think about that. In the middle of the night, you're in great pain. You go to get help and you cannot communicate. So what did we do? So since then, we have offered what we call an emergency translation line for circumstances just like that. 
So our 24-hour nurse advice line is also useful to, to members around the world. So no matter where you are, if you need a translator, we can get somebody on that phone to not just trans, translate what the doctor is saying to you, but what you are saying to the, the doctor. It is a great service. We also recognize that some members may want a second opinion or take a second look at whatever diagnosis or opinions that they receive from a provider overseas. So for many, many years, we have partnered with Cleveland Clinic to provide second opinions to our members overseas in situations where they may be considering surgery or even various treatments for cancer or other serious diagnosis. They gather all of the labs and medical information, and then they give their second opinion. And, you know, there's nobody better than Cleveland Clinic to to do that. But I also want to dig a little deeper because I'm sorry, but I'll just just mention for our listeners that if they're interested in learning more about that second opinion program, they can go back. We had an um, an interview with um, one of the providers from the, the Cleveland Clinic in early March, March 7th. So if you want to go back in the, the podcast feed, you can find that. Sorry for interrupting. That's fine. Uh, dig, dig a little deeper for us. So this is near and dear to, to, to my heart. And I, as I inferred earlier, spending most, if not all of one's career overseas is not easy. Sounds glamorous, but it's not. You know, you've got all these pressures and obstacles and cha- challenges that can be magnified when you are away from the comfort of the United States, your family, your friends, etc. Life can be hard under the best of circumstances, and it can be hard to cope. And as Dr. Paget said in our most recent podcast, serving overseas is stressful, even for the seasoned individual. And you know, we hear all the time about how we should seek help. There shouldn't be a stigma on getting counseling. Turning this ship around is doing is slow. But imagine being in a foreign country with these needs. You've got different and sometimes harsher cultures. You have to deal with a different language. So interpretation is hard. Translation is hard. And in many cases, in some cases, you've got security and even clearance concerns. That can be hard. So on one hand, we're always telling them, get care you need. It shouldn't be a stigma. And on the other hand, but how do you do that overseas? Thus, many years ago, we started working with a company called the Truman Group, and they have provided, they've been an important support for our overseas members who couldn't find the care they needed for this overseas. And they remain an important partner for the plan. And now we have broken down some of those other barriers, and we include telemedicine consultations, no matter where in the world you are. So you can have a consultation with a doctor who you have an existing relationship with. And if you don't have a regular provider to turn to, and many of us wouldn't overseas especially, we also now can offer telehealth. So, and this is through vHealth. So this is available to anybody overseas and they do include mental health counseling in that benefit. And that's 100% benefit. So I I encourage anybody who needs that help to get it. And we have several ways now that we can support you in that journey. Now, we focused a lot, Kyle, on benefits so far. 
Yep. But let's not forget service because I think, you know, that's a really, really important uh, part of our passion for the work we do at the Foreign Service Benefit Plan. For many of, of us the, at the, in, with the Foreign Service and you're at an embassy and you have the wonderful and comprehensive benefits of the med unit, right? The health unit overseas that Dr. Padgett talk, talked about recently. But many of our members don't. You've got the DOD civilians, you've got the, the um, Dodds t- t- teachers, and they usually cannot get care at the mil- even the military treatment facilities if they're on base. Well, where do they get care? They get their medical treatment on the economy or to local providers in whatever country they're in. So you're dealing now with translations and billing and coding. Um, you know, you're not going to get your bill if you're if you go to a Korean pr- provider. You're not going to get your bill if, with a nice itemization and ICD-10 codes and CPT service codes and all that stuff. And you're going to get it in co- Korean, right? So what do you do with all that? Um, and then how do you file that claim? So we've offered for a, m- many years now electronic claims filing. So you can just go through a secure member portal and submit your claims electronically. And just recently we added, now you can send a picture of your claim through your phone. And isn't that great? We were very excited to offer that. And then how do you get paid? So for for many years, we've offered electronic funds transfer to our members so they can get their, their reimbursement quickly and into their own bank account instead of having to wait for the check, the paper check, sign the check, get it to the bank, and then get get your money. So we've tried to make that process as convenient and seamless as possible. And then you always hear about, you know, there's an app for this and there's an app for that. And so we have easy to use apps from our administrators, Aetna, who who handles the claims, and Express Scripts, who handles the pharmaceutical part of the benefits, you can get your ID cards. You can get the status of your claims. You can even find a provider over if you're coming back to the States. And on the ESI side, you can try some medication and even refill a prescription on your phone. So these are these convenient shortcuts really matter when you are, especially when you're working overseas. Of course, they're available to all of our, our members, no matter where they are. But it is especially important to our members overseas. Absolutely. And, and since you, you've touched on the, the claims um, and tracking them and submitting them and so forth, I want to turn to the claims experience. So I'm going to talk to Stefan in a few minutes about how things work with our direct billing partners outside the U.S., because that's something else we haven't touched on. She's going to take us through that whole process. But uh, many of our members, just as they receive their, their services outside the embassy or even outside the military treatment facilities, um, many of our members don't go to direct billing um, partners, they don't maybe have access to them where they are, or it's just not the the best option for them. So they typically go to a local provider, get the services they need, and pay at the time of the visit, and then they're submitting a claim to us for reimbursement. So can you tell us a little bit about how the claims process works? Sure. So, uh, so 
like I said before, Aetna is our claims administrator, and they're the ones who actually process the claims. And we actually have a dedicated team at Aetna who only works on our claims and some who only focus on overseas claims. Believe it or not, some of those very dedicated employees have actually been paying our claims since the Mutual of Omaha days, if you remember that back that far. So they they have a really good feel for what our members' needs are. We understand that our members are paying out of pocket, out of their own pocket many times. So we want to do all we can to get their reimbursement to them as quickly as possible. Our goal, of course, is maybe even before they receive that credit card statement. So once again, we try to make it as easy as possible. Members can send us the original invoice from their provider. We can take care of the translation and the currency conversion. It doesn't matter what language it's in, doesn't matter what currency is in, we've got that. If the member has a receipt or other proof showing the exact currency conversion rate, then of course that's what our processors will will use and it will help to to move that claim forward. Our member portal, that is um, www myaspa.org is the fastest and easiest way to submit claims. The new mobile enhanced portal, like I talked about before, actually allows members to use their phone and or tablet to take a picture of the claims and upload them to us. Absolutely. And it'll even let you know if the image quality isn't um, the best and, and ask you to retake it. And that really helps move things along because our, if our processors can't read it, um, they can't process it. Speaking of processing claims, um, our, our dedicated teams at Aetna um, have to be able to read certain pieces of information on the claims. They've got to have some information. They've got to be able to read it. So what kind of information do we, the plan, need from members to, to start and, and complete that process of processing claims? Well, this is going to sound a little basic, but we actually kind of need their name. You'd be surprised at the number of times that we receive claims and they've stapled something over their, their name. Our member portal creates a coverage page on, you know, but you still have to write your name, your member ID number in the white margins of the actual claims document so we can match it to you. In our portal, we're going to ask for a diagnosis or reason for the visit. We don't need the actual IDC-10 code. We don't need the official diagnosis, but we actually do need something more than just an office visit. Well, what do you mean by that? We need something like, you know, a sore throat or follow-up for a, a broken arm or even a prep for a heart surgery, something that tells us why you went there. Um, that's what they're looking for. That level of information is enough to for our team to start processing the claim. Now, like I said, on rare occasions, we may request me- medical records for that claim. It's not typical, certainly not on every claim, But when it comes to things like surgery or high cost procedures or even lengthy hospital confinements, we're going to need that additional information to establish medical necessity. And that is via the contract that we hold with OPM. 
Right. We, we were both, I think we were together when we received the one page invoice one time for a six month overseas hospital stay. Um, yeah, that was a fun day. But, and then we, we asked for more information, got a full file box. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I, you made a really good point and I just want to encourage people um, when you scan something, if there's like a, a credit card or a cash register receipt stapled to the front, pull that off, scan that separately. Cause there may be, as you indicated, important information underneath that receipt that we right. need to see. Excellent. Um, Paula, you and I have the opportunity to meet with new hire classes at state and USAID, and we tell them to take a close look at and to make sure they understand pre-certification requirements, particularly when they're receiving their services overseas. Um, so I'm turning the table. Um, let, let's take a look at it for FSBP. Um, where, when do we require pre-certification for um, our members when they receive service outside the U.S.? So as you know, normally we do not request pre-certification for like regular hospital confinements or, or things like that when they're overseas. And like all plans, we waive that. But not with everything. Um, for example, gender affirming surgery requires pre-certification no matter where you receive it, no matter where you are. And by the way, we were the very first fee-for-service plan to offer this important benefit back several years ago. And there's certain other requirements on that. And that's why we do that physical and mental health that precede the surgery. And in the case of gender affirming care, we have a national team of excellence to support the member every step of the way. So we really do want that pre-certification at the very, very beginning. Another example is services for applied behavior analysis or treatment for autism spectrum disorder. In this case, there are specific standards for the provider that we have to meet the, um, our coverage levels. So we really do need that pre-certification anywhere in the world. For other services, again, we may require additional documentation or medical records. I really recommend that you contact the plan prior to a plan procedure, providing documents at that time and obtaining an understanding of that coverage. We certainly do not want you surprised. So if you ever need or want a what we call a predetermination, which tells you, yes, this is going to be, be covered or, or whatever, it is not a decision of coverage, but it can help the claims process move forward quickly. And it can maybe save the member a lot of money, especially if they go through with a procedure that we would be unable to cover. It would, that would not be good to learn that at a later date. No, and we've had people in that situation where, where at least at first glance, we don't have enough information to cover it. And they think I'm out how much money? Um, yeah. So right. it, especially if it's planned, it, it's always a good idea. You can give us a call. Um, send us some some documentation. We can we can also um, work with your provider on that. Now, Paul, you talked a little bit about Express Scripts earlier, and we haven't touched on prescription drugs too much during our conversation. Dr. Paget talked a little bit about it last week, um, and and some recommendations for taking you know ample supply with you overseas and so forth. But how does prescription drug coverage work for um, members overseas? That's really important because most of us at some given time in our life will take prescription drugs, right? And there are a few ways that our members can obtain drugs overseas. First of all, of course, they can take advantage of the our home delivery 
program through the Express Scripts Home Delivery Pharmacy for their maintenance drugs. This is for stuff that we take every day. It's not for the 10-day supply of antibiotics because you, you have um, an infection or something. This is for our, our cholesterol medication, our blood pressure medicine, all that stuff that we can take that we have to take every day. And they actually can mail drugs to many locations, um, DPOs, APOs, FPOs, all of that. And there are exceptions, as Dr. Paget said, but this actually allows members to continue to take advantage of the convenience of home delivery with those built-in discounts. Now, if your doctor writes a prescription for longer than the usual 90 days, this plan actually allows you to get your prescriptions for up to a, a year. And many of our members who are posted, especially in those rural areas, really do enjoy that special benefit. Now, I should note that there are certain areas that we can't d deliver drugs to. Um, for example, Ger Germany in many areas. I mean, the DPO, that's one thing. They, they can get it. But for the normal civilian in Germany, the German law actually prohibits mail order drugs. And so we cannot mail those, even if it is by a US, U.S. licensed physician which is, by the way, an FDA requirement. So any mail order drug, regardless of where you are, must have must be written on a prescription from a U.S. licensed provider. There are some exceptions, like we talked about, like some temperature controlled or other drugs that cannot be shipped ev everywhere. So you really do want to make sure that the drugs reach you in good condition, right? We can't deliver. We can't guarantee the delivery times. Can't guarantee one um, the integrity of the drug as it sits on the tarmac. Now, Express Scripts has a dedicated expat team just for our members, and you can contact them when you're overseas and need help. They also have worked out in certain areas um, ways to get the medication to you through their temperature controlled gel packs. So not all is lost, and I recommend that you contact us and to see if that specific drug, if there's any question, can be shipped overseas. But if you're overseas and again, you go to a local provider that writes that prescription, you can get that prescription, of course, filled at your local pharmacy. We handle that just like any other claim we get. You can, you can submit the claim to the Foreign Service Benefit Plan, include a copy of the prescription and receipt for the pharmacy, and we will treat that at like all medical claims, and that's considered at 90% with no deductible. Excellent. You answered my question. Um, that was on the tip of my tongue. Okay. Um, Beat so to it. Before we, before we wrap up though, is there anything else that, that our members or the, hopefully some potential members who are listening um, should understand about the plan and how it works overseas? Sure. I'm happy to talk about that. So we're pretty passionate about our, our members' needs, whether it's stateside or overseas. As I said before, you know, we have 35 to 40% of our members who are overseas. That being said, a good 60% of them are stateside. So we don't want to forget that. But, but, stiff, but no matter where you are in the world, we really do try to design our benefits and choose programs that work the same wherever you are. For instance, our Livongo program, which is a very popular and very effective support program for people with diabetes, hypertension, and even weight management. 
And that program is generally available to all of our members globally, no matter where they are. But that's not possible with all programs. For example, some of our more more popular programs, like the ABLE2 program, which is a support program for people dealing with changes in their life, whether it be a serious medical condition or a caregiver who who is facing those challenges, or even Hinge Health, which is our our physical therapy support program. Those two specific programs are only available to our members in the U.S. Now, we're working with the program managers to expand that. And we're, and we're also looking, of course, always looking at other options. So I will say that if it's not available to you outside the U.S. now, please consider that as it's not available yet. We strive every day and will continue to work on options for all of our members, wherever in the world they are. Thank you very much, Paula. This has been a great, great introduction to to the sort of the overseas coverage and programs and service. Um, So important, as you pointed out. Um, And thank you once again for joining us for today's program. Happy to be with you and always happy to talk to the membership. Now I'd like to turn to Stefan Nicely, our Senior Director of Compliance, to talk about one of our unique features when it comes to overseas care, our direct billing partnerships. Stefan, welcome to Ask the Talks. Thank you for having me, Kyle. I appreciate it. Pleasure oh, to be here. Glad to have you. Um, I, I will mention for our listeners that Stefan and I have been at ASPA um, exactly the same amount of time. I think she started maybe one week after I did back in 2013, but otherwise we've, we've been here through different positions for both of us, but we've been here um, together all that time. And nowadays, Stefan, you and your team manage a lot for AFSPA, um, notably our contract with OPM for the Foreign Service Benefit Plan, as well as our accreditation with AAAHC, which our members will have heard about in recent days. Um, But one of the other programs you are responsible for are the agreements we have for direct billing with certain overseas providers. So before we get into sort of the mechanics of how those works, can we start with the numbers? How many agreements do we have and how many providers and facilities do they cover if those numbers are different? Yeah, absolutely. So we have about 140 agreements um, that covers about 250 providers and facilities. Wow, it's more than I than I was even thinking. <laughs> um, now, even with that many agreements and that that many providers, we don't obviously have agreements in every country. Um, can you talk a little bit about where those partnerships that we have are concentrated, and and maybe a little bit about why they might be concentrated in in certain areas? Yeah, sure. So our largest concentration um, is in Germany, um, with a total of about sixty agreements there, um, and two reasons for this. The first is we have a lot of members there. And second, the way the medical system works. It's very similar to the U.S. in many ways, with doctors having their own practices and operating and billing separate from the hospitals. Um, We also have a lot of members, as I mentioned earlier, but in Korea as well, with 25 agreements there. Um, Their care largely takes place in the hospital setting, Um, even with routine physicals in a specific section of the hospital or clinic. Um, We also have a large concentration of members in the UK with about 12 agreements there, just because of London's services as the State Department's largest medevac location. And if you recall, Dr. Pageant talked about that last week. 
Um, and something that I am very excited to announce with you here today, Kyle, is our new partnership, our latest partnership with Bumpham Grad International Hospital in Bangkok, Thailand. This has been an agreement in the making for over a decade. So I'm super excited that we really got it to come together for our members. That's wonderful. Yeah, we, we've been fits and starts trying to make that that one happen in, in Bangkok. And I think all of pieces finally fell in place. And, and um, I'm really, really excited. And I think we're going to see members across Asia, um, even into the Pacific. We've got members from Guam who go there regularly as well. So I think, and, and cruise ships. Um, I know a number of members yeah. who <laughs> needed care have ended up there. So, um, well, from the member experience, what does it mean when a member goes to a direct billing partner? Well, first, let me be clear um, in that different partnerships have different levels of agreement. Um, some agreements only include services that are covered at 100%, such as inpatient hospitalization, preventive services, complete maternity care, and routine physicals. Um, other agreements include all covered services. So the experience of the member is that they can go to a partner provider, show their FSBP ID card, and the provider will build a plan. Um, the provider should collect the deductible and coinsurance, if applicable, from the member, but the majority of the bill will come to us, the plan. Wait, that, that sounds pretty straightforward. Show your, your card. And then what benefit, what does a member gain by going to a direct billing partner? So as Paula explained, um, members can go to any provider. Choosing a direct billing partner is a matter of convenience. Generally speaking, members won't have to pay much up front. So um, they will not be out of pocket for hundreds or even thousands of dollars and then have to wait for reimbursement. Um, there's also advantage, an advantage of less paperwork for the member. Um, so by going to a direct billing partner, the member assigns benefits to the provider. Um, staff with that provider build a plan, and we have a dedicated team headed by our colleague, Shalonda Hunter, that works with those providers to get any additional information required to process the claims. Those providers are in regular communication with Shalonda in advance of planned procedures for our members. And and if I have trouble getting in, you know, to see some of our partners overseas, I use Shalanda's name. Um, it's it's like it's like the password. Um, just that her, she and her team take take such good care of those relationships and and make sure claims get paid and that members have what they need and the partners have what they need. So um, we're so grateful that that all of us are working together um, for for what the members Absolutely. need. Absolutely. Now, Stefan, this actually happened in our first AFSPA Live two months ago. Um, that we got a recommendation from a member uh, um, that we consider a direct billing partner. Um, I think in that case, it was in in Ecuador. Um, and that that happens sometimes. We get calls, we get emails, people mm -hmm. walk up to us when we're traveling, et cetera. But can you tell our listeners a little bit about that, the process that you and your team go through to evaluate those recommendations that come in? Or even maybe sometimes when a, a provider contacts us directly? Sure. So we look at claims history. Um, we sometimes consult with the health unit um, in that particular country at the embassy or consulate. Um, and then we just dis discuss steps internally within compliance based on those factors, um, the number of members in a country um, and region. And then we go from there. 
Okay. And, and if the, the decision is that, you know, let's move forward um, without getting too technical, can you give, give listeners just a brief overview of what the process looks like from there? Sure. So we identify a contact person um, at the facility's billing or administrative office, and we start a dialogue with them. And we explain who we are, making clear that our agreements are separate from any relationships that they may have or had with Aetna through their international arm. We, we try to make that very clear up front. Uh, we take a lot of time in explaining how our arrangements work. We discuss the support available from the compliance team and then from Shalanda and her team and start negotiating the agreement. Um, this is the stage where a partner decides what level of partnership they'd like to agree to. Um, so that is, do they want to include outpatient services that we cover at 90%? Some groups are more prepared than others to build the deductible and coinsurance to the patient. So once all of those terms are agreed, we go through some final verification, add signatures, and then announce it to our members. Absolutely. And I, I, I should mention, because we, we've gone through this several times, that if it's a, a partner who provides like preventive care, sometimes they have mm-hmm. different packages and that include different things. Sometimes we can customize something. So those packages may vary from, from provider to provider, depending on what our negotiations include and, and how flexible um, the provider's offerings are. Um, Cause we hear that sometimes from, from members as well as from some of our partners about what's included and what's not. Um, mm-hmm. So Stefan, for, for new members or members who are maybe in a new location, where can they find the current list of overseas partners? The latest and greatest information um, can be found on our overseas partners page. Um, When we updated our website last year, we were able to add a new filtering option, which is great, um, to the website to narrow down the list just to the specific country or countries of interest. Um, Members can also visit ASPA.org forward slash FSBP um, and click on Overseas Partners and scroll down. And from there, you'll see the list with the filtering options. Absolutely. And that, that we're able to update that when, when you and I first started, it was a giant PDF. And anytime we added something, it was, can we adjust the, oh the font? And, yeah. Yeah. We needed bifocals at like 0.2, uh, 2.50 power. That's right. That's right. So this is definitely much more accessible to, uh, yes. to us and to the members. Absolutely. Well, Stefan, thank you so much for joining us for your your first episode of ASPA Talks and and giving us sort of an inside look um, at these direct billing relationships. Well, thank you. Again, it's a pleasure to be here with you. And I am always able and willing to talk about our direct billing partners. So thank you so much. Thanks, Stefan. Thanks again to both Paula and Stefan for joining me today. For more information on overseas programs and benefits, please visit AFSPA.org FSVP and click on Overseas Care. This has been AFSPA Talks, a production of the American Foreign Service Protective Association. All information offered in this podcast is meant to be educational. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own and do not necessarily represent AFSPA. Should there be any discrepancy between information offered in this podcast and official plan documents for the Foreign Service Benefit Plan or the products offered by ASPA through other partners, the policy provisions will prevail. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe to ASPA Talks to catch our next episode. 
Please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app and share feedback with us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time.